0: first letter of Peter. His name was Shimon or Simon when he first became a follower of Jesus and he was part of the inner circle of the twelve disciples. When he made his confession that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Cephas, which is Aramaic for rock, which was later translated into Greek as Petros or Peter. Jesus promised that he would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem through its earliest years. And that's what happened. Remember the early chapters of the book of Acts. Eventually, Peter was called to carry the good news of Jesus beyond the borders of Israel, however, and this letter was written decades into that mission in the wider Roman world. We discover at the conclusion of this letter that Peter is in Rome, which he calls Babylon, and we learn that while Peter commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus, who was a co-worker of Peter. This was a circular letter sent to multiple church communities in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey, and Peter learned that these mostly non-Jewish Christians were persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and Roman neighbors. And so Peter wrote to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And this helps explain the letter's design and its main themes. It opens with a greeting and then it moves into a poetic song of praise to God which introduces the key themes that are explored in the main body of the letter. Where he first affirms the new family identity of these persecuted Christians which will help them see their suffering as a way to bear witness to Jesus. And this has a way of focusing their future hopes on the return of Jesus. Let's dive in, you'll just see how all the pieces work together. So Peter opens by greeting these churches as the chosen people of God who are exiled around the world. Now Peter makes clear throughout the letter that these Christians he's writing to are Gentiles. But here he describes them with phrases from the Old Testament that describe how God chose the people of Israel, the family of Abraham, who was himself an exile and wanderer. This is a key strategy that Peter repeats through the whole letter. He wants these suffering non-Jewish Christians to see that through Jesus they now belong to the family of Abraham. And so they're wandering exiles just like him misunderstood, they're mistreated, and they're looking for their true home in the promised land. Peter continues this idea in the opening song. He praises God for causing people to be born again into a living hope through Jesus' resurrection and the power of the Spirit. God's inviting all people into a new family centered around Jesus, a family that has a new identity as God's beloved children and who have a new hope of a world reborn by God's love when Jesus returns as King. And for people who have this hope, suffering and persecution is actually a strange gift because it burns away false hopes and distractions like a purifying fire, and it reminds us of our true home and hope. And So paradoxically, life's hardships actually deepen our faith. They make it more genuine. From here, Peter's going to move on into the body of the letter, but he's going to explore all these ideas in greater depth. So he first develops the theme about the new family identity of God's people. He takes even more memorable Old Testament images about the family of Israel and then he applies them to these Gentile Christians. So like the Israelites who left Egypt, they too are to gird up their loins and leave behind their former way of life on the way to a new future. So they are the holy people of God now who are journeying through the wilderness. They are the people of the new exodus who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus who is the Ultimate Passover lamb. They are the people of the New Covenant who have God's Word buried deep inside them, restoring their hearts and renewing their minds. They are the new temple built on the foundation of Jesus himself and they're the new kingdom of priests who are serving God as his representatives to the nations. Now by applying all of these amazing images to these persecuted Gentile Christians, Peter is placing their suffering within a brand new story. And this leads into the next section. Their persecution can actually help bring clarity to their mission in the world, to bear witness to God's mercy among the nations. So Peter first encourages them to submit to Roman rule, even if it's oppressive. Yes, he acknowledges their persecution, their suffering is unjust. But violent resistance solves nothing, not to mention that it betrays the teachings of Jesus who loved his enemies instead of killing them. Peter then specifically highlights the very difficult situation that Christian slaves and wives faced when they lived in Roman households where the patriarch did not follow Jesus. The problem was that it was expected that everyone in the household would submit to and worship the patriarch's gods. And so Peter is aware that giving allegiance to Jesus will generate suspicion. So Peter says it's true. All Christians, including Roman wives and slaves, have been fully liberated by Jesus. But they are to demonstrate that freedom, not through rebellion, but by resisting evil the same way Jesus did, through showing love and generosity to your enemies. And in homes where the husband is also a Christian, it's a different story. They are to treat their wives totally different from their Roman neighbors, regarding them as equals before God who are worthy of honor and respect. And Peter's hopeful that this imitation of Jesus' love and upside-down kingdom will give power to their words as they bear witness to God's mercy and show people the beautiful truth about the way of Jesus. But Peter's also a realist. He knows that Christians will continue to be persecuted, and so he reminds them of their future vindication. He recalls how Jesus himself was unfairly persecuted and murdered by corrupt human powers, but in reality, he was dying for the sins of his enemies. And afterward, he was vindicated and given resurrection life by the Spirit. And now Jesus is exalted as king over all human and spiritual powers. Then Peter shows how baptism points to the vindication of Jesus' followers. So like Noah, they've been saved through the waters, not as a magic ritual, but as a sacred symbol that shows their change of heart, their desire to be joined to Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And so now, even if they are murdered for following Jesus, their hope is in future vindication and exaltation alongside their king which leads Peter into the final movement. He recalls Jesus' words that his disciples should consider it an honor and joy to be persecuted just like he was. Peter then calls on church leaders to care for these suffering Christians and to show the same kind of servant leadership that Jesus did to his followers. And finally, Peter reminds these Christians about the real enemy that they are facing. This hostility isn't simply cultural or even political. There are dark forces of spiritual evil at work, inspiring hatred and violence, and they are to resist this evil by staying faithful to Jesus and his teachings and by anticipating his return and ultimate victory over such evil. Peter concludes with a prayer for divine strength, and he sends a greeting from the church in Rome, which he calls Babylon. Now, this is cool. Peter's adopting here the tradition of the Old Testament prophets, for whom the name Babylon became an archetype for any and every corrupt nation. And so Rome has become the new Babylon and its empire is where God's people are now exiled from their true home in the renewed creation. Peter's first letter is a powerful reminder of Christian hope in the midst of suffering. God's people have been a misunderstood minority from the very beginning and they should expect to face hostility because they have chosen to live under the rule of a different king, Jesus. However, persecution can become a strange gift to the church because it (coughs) offers a chance to show others the surprising generosity and love of Jesus, which is fueled by the hope of his return. And that's what 1 Peter is all about.
1: Good morning and welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host, and uh, well, it looks like I might be flying solo this morning because my good friend and co-host for these uh, Bible studies is Jason, and he is extremely frustrated right now with his internet. Um, He's rebooted his computer several times. He's rebooted Zoom. He's rebooted the internet. Uh, He said he's going to try one more time, so he might jump in here in a second. I'll have to check. In fact, I should keep my... uh, window open here so i can see if he comes in um so he's when he if he does get in here he might be really really frustrated so we'll all have to calm him down um yeah mandy i love that summary those guys do a great job um they have some great content and it's what's really cool is um that's a uh, Bible Project is the name of them, and they have a lot of those little cartoon things. And I don't know; those things just always are like really good teachers. I love that stuff. It's uh, easy to understand. You know, they're not using big theological terms and stuff like that. And uh, I appreciate that that uh, Bible Project YouTube channel. Guys do great stuff over there. They also, I think, they also have a podcast too. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. So I don't know. Jason's really frustrated. He's been texting back and forth, and um, he's apologized a million times. So starting pretty late here. I mean, we're, gosh, we're like 50 minutes late. Um, so I apologize if anybody's been waiting uh, or been lurking out there. We're going to get going right at it. I, last week, me and Jason, we got to Second uh, Peter uh, and we finished chapter 4. I mean, First uh, Peter, I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 4. So I'm going to jump right in and uh, let me close out my window here. And we're going to get right into First Peter chapter 5 and we'll just start reading through that see if jason jumps in here in a second okay uh it says so i exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock of god that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, A lot in that little uh, paragraph right there. Uh, So Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So yes, obviously Peter saw the crucifixion, witnessed what Jesus had to endure on the cross for each one of us. And I you know, I've often thought, what would it have been like to actually witness that even as as someone that couldn't stand Jesus. You know, if you're one of the Roman soldiers or or a citizen of Rome at the at that time and you were in Jerusalem and you witnessed that crucifixion. I mean, they were pretty um i guess they were used to crucifixion which is gosh it sounds so uh, crazy but they were definitely used to seeing it i mean that was the that was the number one way of getting rid of people you didn't like and uh criminals and to actually witness that and hear the agony and the screams of the people that were on those crosses must have been horrendous and uh, i don't know how you sleep at night after something like that but then you see the son of god up there um, and you know peter peter being a witness to this he had he carried that through his whole life i mean i'm sure when he was suffering persecution he was thinking of jesus's crucifixion and it must have been just I, i guess it would inspire him to endure the pain endure the suffering that he was he was you know uh taking on for christ but it's i don't know it's i've often thought about just what that would have been like um you know, we we've seen the Passion of the Christ or some of these other movies where they crucify him, but I don't I don't think anything can actually show what what Christ endured for each one of us. I mean, he endured the spiritual part that you cannot show on camera, uh, and then you know the Father leaving him and pouring out his wrath upon him. None of us can understand that. Uh, absolutely terrifying to actually think about. Uh, and then, but Peter says, "Don't don't do these things under compulsion." This should be from a pure heart. This should be from something that is inside of you that Christ has changed within you, within your spirit, to do it lovingly and to do it patiently as an elder um, or, a, or a caretaker for the um, flock. And I think that's important because you know we can you can see that lots of times. Uh, in, I, I've been in churches where I felt like there wasn't a lot of patience, like maybe the pastor or the leader of the church was getting a little frustrated with, with the sheep. And I mean, I understand it. all the sheep have their own problems. They have their own issues. They have problems going on. And, and sometimes when you show up at church, you put that smile on and everything's just, you know, hunky dory, but in reality you're suffering at home. And, and then, you know, you, then you go to the pastor privately and the pastor hears everybody's problems because the, you know, you didn't want to show your pain in front of everybody else. So you go in there and you talk to the pastor and and he's hearing everybody's problems. And this is the part I think a lot of people forget is they don't realize the pastor has the same problems you have, all kinds of issues. And he's carrying the weight of his flock. So for him to be patient and loving, you know, that's, that's pretty hard to do. Oh, looks like Jason might be joining us. Let's see. Hold on one second, guys. Yeah, so if you can imagine that, Um, I, I, that would be really hard as the pastor of a church. I, I, my heart goes out to pastors because they are really, really suffering and dealing with a lot of issues, um, that, that people, I don't think many people think about. Ah, here, Jason, Jason, you there?
2: Unbelievable.
1: (laughs) I just started the study. So good timing, man. Um, hold on everybody. I'm going to pipe Jason in here for one second. I got to fix my screen. So what happened, man? The computer just wasn't working.
2: Well, that's uh, I, I can't even. Am I on the screen yet? I can hear oh, yet.
1: I don't see anything yet. Uh, I've the the, audi- the audience doesn't see anything yet. Uh, let me see. Okay, guys, here I'm. Ah, there he is. Look at that perfect wow. timing. Wow!
2: Wow! <laughs> wow! Praise the Lord. <laughs> Perseverance.
1: <laughs> I told everybody you're going to be really frustrated when you get on here if you showed up. <laughs>
2: I'm going to try, in the least, not to express that frustration <laughs> right now. <I>, um, <laughs> yeah, after an hour, it's like, okay, wow.
1: Yeah, I. you know what? Why? It's This is so weird. I Sometimes, you know, look, we know we're up against spiritual warfare every day. And you just got to scratch your head some days and think... What's going on here? Like the computer was working fine last night. It was working good whenever you, you know, you need it to pay a bill. But then, right. as, as soon as you need it for a Bible study, what happens? It just, you know, conks out on you. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But good to see you, brother. How you doing? Doing well. <laughs> doing all
2: right. Now. <laughs> hey, the good news yeah. is
1: the picture is crystal clear and the sound's really good. So good job.
2: Well, praise the Lord. That's good. That's good, man. Uh, so, a simple, you know what's funny? A simple restart. A simple restart. I restarted it with, yeah, anyway, I don't want to mess up the mood of the Bible study. <laughs> like, after an hour, I'm in. So, hello, like, everyone.
1: Everybody that's had a computer understands. We've all been there. I don't, I, and so usually the restart fixes it. I mean, usually that fixes whatever issues going on but then sometimes it just takes forever to it's you know trying to cycle and get things fixed and then zoom always has issues too so i don't know it could have been either one or both of them in conjunction with each other but you know what right you're here that's that's the important part and uh, i was i was trying to fly solo it's just not the same without you bro it's much (laughs) uh so anyway i started we didn't finish uh chapter five of first peter last week so i was just reading through that and i was going through the uh first Five verses here. Uh, I was just kind of expounding upon it. So I'm going to flip screens here so you can see it. Um, I was just saying like, I Jason, I've often thought, you know, Peter said he was a witness to Christ's crucifixion. And I often thought, my gosh, can you imagine witnessing that and and being an unbeliever and witnessing it? You know, they they saw it all the time. So they were getting used to seeing uh, that kind of punishment, capital punishment. So you know, I, I, it kind of became, I hate to say it, like routine in the Roman Empire. I mean, there was, on a side, you'd, you'd go down the Roman road and there was just <laughs> crosses everywhere. Um, and so it became kind of this routine thing. But, I mean, you know, obviously then uh, an earthquake strikes after, they have the, the sky darkens, the eclipse comes. Um, so they, obvi- you know, I think that probably scared a lot of people because that was unusual. Uh, but Peter being a witness to it, he's he's telling uh elders and pastors shepherds of the flock he's saying listen don't do things under compulsion do it under a good you know with a good heart be be willing to uh endure with the flock be willing to be patient with the flock and i was just saying you know pastors pastors have a really tough job i mean it is a really difficult job they're carrying the weight of their flock plus their own lives and i think that's something that we have to remember Uh, you know, and and if if you have a pastor that's um maybe he seems a little on edge sometimes or or maybe he doesn't wanna doesn't feel like talking maybe one day. We have to understand it. You have to understand it. You know what? He's a he's a person, he's a human being, he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got bills, uh, he's got all the weight of the flock and the church. And sometimes you just gotta be patient with that person. And hopefully the elders of the church, you know, they're hopefully they're all consoling one another uh because even you know the elders have a pretty big weight on their shoulders too so i think that's why peter's saying you know like you know peter understood in the in the fledgling church at that time this is important it's important that the leaders show respect to the to the sheep but also that they're patient long-suffering just like jesus you know being being his representative so i don't know what do you think about that
2: Absolutely, I, w- I would agree with that. I know um, being in many different churches, I've seen I've seen it applied. I've seen it applied well, and I've seen it also uh, abused in a sense of uh, you see elders, you see pastors that um, that have abused the flock, um, that have not been patient, that have taken um, taken it. I wouldn't say taken it lightly, but I, I will say that they've. Um, they don't seem to have the love perfected in them uh, to to manage a flock, um, some of them. Some aren't called, maybe, I don't know. But uh, And I'm speaking in general. I'm not, I'm not thinking of any particular one church right now, but I'm, I'm just saying the churches I've been in or been a part of that you've seen on both sides. Um, I've happened to be in a place now where the leaders, the elders, they all seem to be very humble and meek men that take their authority and responsibility very um, seriously, and the love of Christ shows and they are patient and kind, and in the same manner, um, you can see that people will sometimes abuse the pastors, you know, as you were kind of mentioning, you know, you pastor spends hours, days sometimes on preparing for a message and to feed the flock and um, you know, afterwards, sometimes they, they may need they may need some time by themselves, um, a time alone with the Lord. Um, but there are some that will come out and meet and greet the the, the people and get to know them. And then there's some that just go off into seclusions. So, um, <laughs> oh, I think we need to consider a lot of those things. And and it just, you know, one thing that should not become habitual is the ignoring of the saints and the abuse of uh, the pastors you know what i mean like like say for instance you have somebody that goes and every time after a pastor's finished they run up to them and they take 30 40 minutes so they're trying to take 30 40 minutes of their time and Good it's point. like you know it's some of that is is you have to be respectful towards the pastor as well so um many abuses many but but like i said um the grace of god if if, if the grace of god is in that uh in the brother or um the congregation uh we'll consider those things a little bit more
1: yeah we need to be praying for those in uh, leadership roles it's a difficult position jason that like it's really hard being a leader when you have especially in a a, you know a standard size church let's say it's a hundred people you have in your church that's a lot of problems with a hundred people, you know it's not if everybody was living perfect lives and there was nothing to complain about, okay, it'd be wonderful, but I was you know say before you jumped in, everybody's got issues, everybody's got problems and and they want to be able to confide in somebody their issues and problems, and they feel safe at a church usually, so they're going to go to the pastor, they're going to go to an elder and um yeah they're they're just carrying a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Mandy actually brought up a good point. she said her pastor has a job outside of the church. So, yeah, I mean, imagine that, carrying the weight of his job, his nine-to-five, his family, and then, you know, a couple sermons a week, and, uh, and then all the other, you know, extracurricular stuff that goes with that role. Yeah, very difficult. Um, it's funny, I mean, that's the beginning of the church, and Peter's already, you know, telling him, hey, <laughs> it's going to require some patience, guys. You know, it's going to require you to, not, not out of compulsion, but out of love for the flock. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And and the other thing with that is, I would say, with a with a church that have been established, I should say, a group of people that have been together for a while, there there should be some mature Christians as well, and that leadership uh, spreads responsibility. I mean, it's not always the pastor that uh, a, con- a person in uh, in that particular flock needs to be running to. There's brothers and sisters in the congregation that have maturity in Christ and and have wisdom that has been given to them. I mean, the gifts are within the whole church and the gifts are for one another to be used in the church. So there shouldn't be always just this sense of, oh, I'm gonna run the pastor so-and-so. It should be brother and sister, you know, so-and-so within the congregation that we can go to and and confide in and pray with. And, you know, the pastor doesn't have to have that whole burden if that church is operating in Mm -hmm. uh, truth. And in the spiritual gifts, um, those things shouldn't be, uh, relegated to the pastor.
1: The flip side of that is the pastor that gets jealous of (sighs) the flock doing that. Um, I ran into that myself. (coughs) Um, it's, and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, we, we should, we should be sharing the load. Obviously he's going to share the bigger load, but, um, yeah i mean that's if if a church is operating as uh, uh titus and timothy speak of then there's an order to it and there's and everybody's sharing in that and participating in it and um there shouldn't be any jealousy in a church there shouldn't be any cliques in a church but we're human beings and that's exactly what happens in a lot of churches i don't know if your church is like that jason but uh, probably not i'm assuming you're in a pretty good church there but i've seen it um you know, you got your little clicks and gossiping I've and all that stuff. I've definitely seen it. Yeah.
2: I've definitely seen it in the past, for sure.
1: Yeah, Shouldn't be that way, but, you know, it's human beings, so it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Jason, uh, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Humble yourself. So humble being the first step in our walk with Christ. I mean, once you repent, that's 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 humble, being humble, right? Humility, a, a sense of humility, understanding that you can't do this thing on your own. You need a savior. Uh, I mean, that's that's the first building block in our faith, coming to him and understanding that, wow, this thing's way bigger than me. I can't fix it. I need someone to fix it and i'm gonna i'm gonna put my trust in jesus christ and so you know humble ourselves under his his mighty hand and then it says cast your cares upon him for he cares for you how many of us don't cast our cares upon him and we carry that and and i mean i'm guilty of it i'm guilty as charged i mean i've done it zillions of times and i've had to really learn to cast my cares upon him and you know i i saw a preacher one time that's a word we don't really use in in uh, the English language very often, cast, other if unless you're a fisherman, <laughs> you know, so it's like I had a I looked it up and you know it's basically throwing something at someone, <clears throat> right? And it's and I've actually visualized in my head is I don't know, it almost sounds blasphemous, but I've visualized Jesus on the cross and me throwing my sin on him, throwing my problems on him, just so in my mind I could, you know, get a sense of what what the scripture is telling us to do. And that is what he's saying to do. It's saying That's why he did it for us. He didn't suffer in vain. He suffered for all of our problems, all of our sinful nature, not just part of it. Amen. Amen.
2: I like that visualization, visualization, brother, too, as well, to think about that, because you're right. That's exactly what you're doing, and we need to do that. Um, that. The humility that it takes to go before the unseen God in faith and cast your cares upon him is an amazing uh dynamic you know what i mean it's a privilege yes it's definitely a privilege for sure but i think that because of our human nature and the fact that we hide from god is in our nature it takes faith to overcome that uh when we go before the lord i mean prayer honestly prayer is is something that it's a it's a it's not a natural thing and when i say that i mean it's a natural thing to to speak unto God, right, to say, oh, God, this or oh, God, that it's a natural thing to use it kind of lightly. But to go to God in prayer and faith because of what Christ has done takes a faith and it takes a level of uh, of, of greater just understanding that there is a God. It takes a faith of understanding that who God is and what he's done for us. And then to humble yourselves in prayer and cast your anxieties and cares before the Lord, knowing that God is a god who can answer prayer who ha- who does answer prayer and that takes faith right mm-hmm. and so to speak the and i'm saying it because we're speaking on a on a on a insight for living right which is your program that we're we're exalting the name of God in Christ but to someone who doesn't know these things or even to a baby christian these things are hard these are hard things i remember thinking back when it first when i first started to really b- begin to pray to god knowing who God is, and that was a humbling thing too. And it was almost like, man, is God really hearing my prayers? You know, you're ask, you you're tempted by the enemy and the enemy enemy comes in to try to deceive you uh, to think that your prayers aren't really being heard or if they're not being answered as quickly as you would like them to be, or if the answer's no. There's so many dynamics to prayer. And so to, so to humble yourself and to cast these things that are of the utmost dire, uh need of us if we're going through a trial to to share those things before to god knowing that we can't see him is i, I it's an amazing grace uh and, and gift i believe and responsibility as brother geno said to do that but we know that he is faithful and just to uh to hear us um and, and that's a, that's an amazing thing um he's justified because of what christ has done on the cross because he's torn open that veil that petition between us and god and so i just think that's a a miraculous thing that he's given us to to do that and he does give us peace he can give us peace that surpasses all understanding when we do that
1: that's yeah well said man um you know it is it is (laughs) it's it is difficult when you're praying because we we're, we're a visual people we see things and that's what we believe in and that's what we put our faith and trust in just in our humanity when you're praying to an invisible god and i mean anybody that's listening and hear me say that they're like ah you you stupid christians you know i, I get it <laughs> i understand that it's you know um but when you experience god in your life daily and you walk with him he's not so invisible anymore he's very real and present in fact right now i'm <laughs> just by, i felt his presence as we were talking about that like it's he's he makes himself known through visible objects sometimes or or through experiences in your life or through other people but you see him you when you walk with him and your faith is fully in him you just he's not so invisible anymore and you know i don't know when everybody i'm sure prays differently um for me, sometimes it is difficult because I'm thinking of a million different things at once and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to rest my spirit, rest my mind, and just get into his presence and into and spend some time with him. That can be very difficult in a busy you know, busy world and, and with our families and jobs and everything else. So um even though he's invisible, we can see the fruit of who he is. Even in creation, we see his fruit all over. You know, even in a even in a creation that's falling apart daily and you know it's it the bible even talks about it how it's just in a in a state of degradation it's just getting worse and worse and worse we still see the beauty of nature because he created it and so e- even though we don't know his face we haven't seen his face yet <clears throat> for me personally and i'm sure it's the same with you jason it doesn't matter you know that's where the faith part does come in and it's not i don't think it's a blind faith i don't Not at all. Not at all. The
2: the irony in this conversation is so is this morning I had to get up and uh, I shouldn't say I had to get up. I I needed to get up and I wanted to get up and and spend some time with the Lord in prayer this morning. And um, I don't do it every morning, but I'm, I'm trying to get to that consistent point to where I do that you know um because i know the lord is there i mean i might say thank you lord when i get up i do that every day but i mean really go in with intention to spend time and not just get up and say a quick prayer and um i was able to spend time in prayer today and, and worship him and 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 i was going over exodus 33 um when moses had a you know uh they were just setting up the camp uh, outside of the camp in the tent of meeting and Moses went on to uh, ask the Lord to show him his glory and to show him his way. And it's just, it was amazing as I was reading over that, I just started weeping because um, God really wanted to show Moses who he was. And he did. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to show him, he says, I am the Lord, the Lord God. And he went on to show, I am compassionate, loving, forgiving sins for a thousand generations. I mean, he went to, he showed him who he was and showed him, uh what he wanted from the people as well and showing god himself and revealing himself to moses he was showing moses what he also expected and wanted from the people Hmm. of israel and um it just amazed me how um you know there's a lot more to that so if you if you get time read it um but there was a lot to to god revealing himself to moses and um this was not known prior to that point and that's what's amazing because God had done many miracles he had done many things to show the people of Israel who he was but Moses asked him to show him his way and to show him his glory and God came back with who he was in his character and that's amazing I I just the the depth of that is is amazing well that
1: that makes me Think of when he had to withdraw his presence from humanity because of sin and how, how that must have hurt the father. Even when he created, he knew it was going to happen. But he, it was worth it. It was worth it to him to have relationship with his creation. And yet, like, I can't imagine as a father having to withdraw from my children. I just can't imagine that pain. Like, that would just, that would, you know, kill me inside. Um, but yet, that's what he had to do because you, he, it's impossible for his nature to dwell with sin. Uh, so, you know, he had to, he had to withdraw from humanity. Even when I say withdraw, he, obviously he, he's still in control. He's his divine providence and sovereignty, but, um, and then to send his own son to be like us, (laughs) talk about like humbling yourself. I mean, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost inconceivable and no man could ever write that story. There's no, no one could come up with that. That's an impossible that's just an impossible story to, to write. Like, as a, like I've heard people say it's fiction, you know, like, oh, my gosh. Right, right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, by Sylvanus. Oh, did you want to um, let's let's touch on this, too. Um, so you're yeah. Verse seven, it says uh, casting all your pears upon him. Uh, eight. Sorry. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world mm-hmm. yeah that's that's pretty uh heavy there um so he prowls like a roaring lion i mean if you've ever seen a, a lion on the prowl that's absolutely terrifying um in christ not so terrifying uh, we have an enemy another one another invisible enemy so you know anybody listening and saying, oh my gosh, these Christians, look at the stuff they believe in, <laughs> okay, uh, if you don't see the evil in the world right now, I don't know what to tell you, um, that's, that is a spiritual evil that manifests through human beings and human devices, and it's, it's, it's scary where they're trying to lead us right now, um, but he does say your adversary, you know, your adversary, um, this is in the context of a court setting too, by the way, so this would, I always, <laughs> this is, I always think of the adversary is like Johnny Cochran or something like, like he's just, you know, he's trying to get the glove on or not trying to get the glove on, but, you know, Hey, the glove didn't fit. you must've quit, you know, and I'm thinking him and his stupid hat on and all, and you know, he was a pretty, pretty sleazy lawyer. Um, but Johnny Cochran couldn't hold a flame to the devil. You know, he was just one of his tools. Um, and I always think of that. I think of just sleazy lawyers and how they're out to get you and they'll do anything it takes to win the case and he's the accuser of the brethren the devil so he const, it's a constant thing this constant war of him trying to to slander us to defame us you know to take our good name away from us in Christ and that's where our, that's where the identity is so important if we're not in Christ if we're not understanding who we are in him the devil's just going to smear you and, and slander you and try to, I mean, literally try to kill you. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I don't know. That's just a visualization I try to give myself just so I know what I'm up against, not just this invisible force.
2: Yeah, can you put that uh, verse up again, bro? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did want to touch on that. Um, you know, those verses run together, and, and, and he, when he says, be sober-minded, be watchful, um your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world and so satan is being described here as an adversary that prowls and he's like a roaring lion lion as we just mentioned and there's many ways and tactics that he uses to do that and one of them brother Gino just mentioned as far as the slandering and the accuser of the brethren. but he also tries to, um, weaken our faith in whatever manner that he sees an uh, mm-hmm. a, a way to get in mm-hmm. uh, as a lion, you know, a lion is, is tactical in the way which he hunts. And so there's, he's not going after the strongest individual typically in the crowd of Buffalo that he's going after he's going after the, the weak one. And so, um, Typically, um, the enemy can come in and use uh, our sinful states, you know, the sins that we participate in, if we do. Um, Those things can keep us from being sober-minded, kind of like what Jesus spoke about in the parable of the soil when he talked about the four different types of hearts or people that uh, when they hear the gospel, um, some hear It with joy, receive it with joy. Some the enemy comes and takes right away, and some uh, receive it, believe for a while. But then, when persecution comes in, it says that they, uh, they that because they have no root, um, they they um, they leave the faith, so to speak, or they don't their faith doesn't go far um, when persecution and, and trials come in, and that's what happens a lot of times. You see, the Lord Peter mentioned that in this scripture where he says, "Your brethren throughout the world are suffering." Right, and so they're going through the same thing, and he's encouraging them as well, saying that in this world, Jesus said you will have tribulation, and this verse is speaking to that. You will have trials um, all over the world. As we mentioned last week on our Bible study, I believe that there are Christians suffering for the faith, um, and and some of them are even to the point of losing their lives. Um, and Satan can weaken Christians by seeing that. Um, it's the same thing that happened when Christ was on the cross. Peter, the one speaking here in this chapter, was the first one, one of the first ones to deny him. But Jesus told him that because he feared death. And so Satan uses death as well as persecution and other types of slanderings and uh, you know, different um, attacks to cause us to not be strong in our faith. And that's what Peter is saying here. Your adversary is like a roaring lion. He's going to do whatever it takes to get you, to try to do whatever it takes to get you to lose faith, whether it be the slandering of your name, the false accusations, whether it be hurting someone that you love in order that loves the Lord as well, to stop you from believing on the Lord, to see if you love your life rather than loving Christ more than you love your life. There are different tests. there are different trials. There's an abundance of these as we walk in the faith throughout our lives, and uh, here in America, again, we haven't really experienced the uh, death of uh, the facing of death, but again, our brothers throughout the world are indeed experiencing that, and um, I'm encouraged by them when I see those that stand strong in the faith and say, you know what, even under the the pressure of death to deny the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm still going to stand strong in the faith, and um, we just... Thank the Lord for that. So we must be sober minded, as the scripture was saying, to be able to think these things
1: through and trust that the word of God is true in every scenario. Amen to that. Uh, One more thing about the lion, you know, in the Roman Empire, traveling the roads of the wilderness, the lion was a real and present danger to someone traveling. Uh, So they, they, you know, Peter's audience understood what he was saying when he was using a lion as his analogy, because they know they were sitting there waiting to, you know, they were stalking and, and, and then just waiting to, pounce, you know, pounce upon their prey coming down the road. So, I mean, that is something that they would have understood very graphically, where maybe for us, it's like, okay, we think of a lion, we think of the zoo, or we, you know, some documentary we watched on, you know, National Geographic or something. But for them, it was a real and present danger, so I mean that that's another thing to consider. Um, you know, I don't know what the what the analogy would be nowadays. you know, like maybe if you lived in the in the inner city of Chicago, you know maybe it's gang violence is a real and you know present danger for you. Um, you know, something like that. but you know, wild animals for us, I mean, how many of us really have to deal with wild animals? you know, unless you're living somewhere like you know, well, like Michael and Mandy down in Texas, I'm sure they have some wild animals where they live. <laughs> they're all the sticks. But for you know you and i we're in the city um maybe a coyote or two might come up uh every now and then you scare it off or whatever but yeah interesting okay um so let's just finish this out right here by sylvanus a faithful brother as i regard him i have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of god stand firm in it she who is at babylon who is likewise chosen Sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Jason, <clears throat> excuse me. Um I I'm not exactly sure what verse 13 is. It says, She who is at Babylon. Now, Babylon was not in existence at this time. The systems of Babylon have always existed. Um, so I'm not and she it I, I'm because of the next sentence or the next statement, he says, uh, who is likewise chosen sends you greetings. So it sounds like a leg- like a real person, this, this she he's talking of. And, and it says, and so does Mark, my son. So it seems like these, this is actually two real people. Obviously Mark being the one who you know wrote the gospel of Mark, but, um, but she, I don't, I, I tried looking that up to see who she is and I, I, I don't know, I didn't really find anything. Um, so, I'm not exactly sure who Peter's referring to there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he mentions, you know, by Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly too. Maybe someone related to Sylvanus. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, let me get my spiritual Rolodex in my mind and I'll tell you exactly
1: <laughs> who that was. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, i have no clue either bro
1: it's just um, i never noticed it until just yesterday yesterday i'm reading through it i'm like oh my gosh who is she like who's, <laughs> who's you
2: know who's maybe maybe it was a person or maybe he's speaking of the church in
1: Babylon. i don't well, know this, that's I, that's what i thought too i i but see it says uh she who is at babylon um mm-hmm. who is likewise chosen so it's a it's yeah it's definitely a believer sends you greetings and maybe you know i thought maybe the church too and, and that's that's probably what it is um but at babylon was the another interesting thing there because we know b- the systems of babylon obviously still existed as day you know um mm-hmm. uh, but there was no actual place called babylon at that time um this mm-hmm. is this is during you know roman occupancy and all this stuff so i don't you know right i'm not i'm not sure what peter was speaking of there something to look into yeah about.
2: it's it's a mystery it's um i i think the church might be a good plausible answer but we don't know for sure um I'll, i might look into that too but um mm-hmm. yeah maybe we don't need to know right now maybe we do sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not all that important but i just thought it was interesting yeah for yeah. sure you want to read, bro, or are you still too frustrated to read? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still frustrated. No. Um,
2: no, I'm good, bro. I
1: can read. I don't mind.
2: Yeah, go ahead, man. First, First Peter, what chapter is this? This? Is,
1: this, is, this is second Peter, chapter 1.
2: Oh, this is second Peter. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intended always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established
1: in the truth. Jason, verse nine, sorry, I scrolled up. You didn't, (laughs) we're not in verse 12 yet. For whoever lacks. Oh, wow, you yeah. sure
2: did. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his past or former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ i love those verses love that passage
1: so um i kind of put the cart before the horse i wanted to read like an introduction into second peter so i'm going to read this even though we're kind of going backwards a little bit uh in the second letter in the second leader letter, Peter describes some twisted versions of Christian truth being taught, recalling his experience of Christ's glory at the Transfiguration. Peter explains the more fully confirmed truth of the gospel as an antidote to to heresy. The gospel is like a lamp shining in a dark place. In chapter 3, Peter focuses on those who scoff at the idea of Christ's triumphant return and the final judgment. Just as God once destroyed the world with water, he will one day bring his fire to it. In light of this, we should live in holiness and godliness as we await his return and the salvation he has promised to all believers. Peter probably wrote this letter about AD 67 to 68 shortly before his death. Um you know, I was um that's the other thing about these letters I, that you can kind of lose sometimes is these uh, the apostles were under tremendous tremendous persecution daily And yet somehow they they got time alone with the Holy Spirit to be inspired to write these letters, even though they were, I mean, up against it every single day. And I mean, when we say up against it, we're like, okay, yeah, I got to work and I've got a tough schedule today and I got to, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing. These guys were literally up against the sword or crucifixion or, you know, some grotesque death. It's amazing what, what they accomplished. This is the other proof, I think, Jason, <clears throat> that we can use as an apologetic, that th- they understood it was worth dying for. And, you know, some would say, well, you know, Muslims do that too. Muslims will blow themselves up. Yeah, but they were dying, they were dying for a lie, and that we can prove that. We can prove that. The, the apostles were not dying for the lie. They saw the resurrected Christ. So, you know, that's a whole that's a whole different ball game. When you when you've seen that, you would be willing to die for that. I mean, no one you know, think about the the depths of that. Like they literally saw him in flesh. Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to to add a point to your your point actually about the uh way that the Muslims would be. Jesus didn't command the disciples to kill anyone Mm-mm. for their faith. That's right. So if you see that in history, you understand that, yeah, there were examples of certain men that did things in the name of Christ, but those things were opposite and against what the Lord commanded to do. They weren't for. Um the difference with uh Islam or some Muslims that do that, they were commanded by their prophet to do that as well. So Jesus the, the people that did that in era in Christianity, in the name of Christ, were in error. The people that did that in the name of uh, Islam were doing exactly what their book tells them to do. So yeah. that's that's a clear difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, in uh, verse 1 it says, uh, To those who have, have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours... By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, that's a pretty important statement. If you really read into it, to those who have obtained, well, how did they obtain it? Through faith, um, and there, and he says of equal standing with ours. So think about that. You know, you're in, you're the early church, you're one of the saints, and you read this letter, you're like, wow, Peter's equating us to his own faith. That that had to be pretty encouraging, you know, just kind of. Sitting back on, okay, well, I'm I'm just new to this whole thing, this whole Christian thing, the way they called it, and I know nothing. And he's teaching us, and he's saying we've obtained the same level of faith. We have the same exact thing. Where the if the contrary was growing up Jewish, there was definitely a hierarchy. You were de- you definitely knew you were low man on the totem pole. Uh, <laughs> you know, in that pecking order. So I think that's that also shows another aspect of how God views his creation. We're so important to him, Jason. We're 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 so important he he laid down his life for us. Pretty yeah. pretty. And, and, Amen, and th- this is this is what's so amazing. You can I've read this I don't know how many times. Okay. And just now it kind of popped out at me. Like I never saw that before. And this is what's awesome about God's word. Like you could read it over and over again. And usually let's face it, the opening of these letters, we kind of like breeze through them. Mm-hmm. That's just an introduction. It's, he's just telling them who he is, but there's a there's little nuggets in there too. in these greetings and salutations. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And it shows the heart of the spirit of God being poured out into the saints. When you can, when you see the letters that they write, um, yeah, it's an it's an amazing thing to see the little nuggets that you speak of. Cause I know one thing, I think we did a study, I think we covered this in a study maybe a year or two ago when we were discussing Paul and the letters that he wrote and how many people he sent salutations and greetings to. Um, and he wrote about them in the letter. Like it's like sixteen to twenty different people that he mm-hmm. wrote about. And it's like, Man, to remember that he says, I always remember you in prayer, you know, and it's like, Man, do I pray for 16 people in, in one prayer? You know what I mean? It's like, and I've, I've prayed for some people before, but I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if I don't just, it, it, should I say this? If I'm praying for 16 people, it's usually a summary of mm. employees, <laughs> employees or people in the, in the body. And I'll say all of them, Lord, you know what I mean? But do I name each and every one of them, man? What love, you know what I mean? To sit there and, and do that and name them in prayer and to write them down in a letter. That's, just the love of god you know god gave us he wrote our names in the lamb's book of life and if we're in the lamb's book of life we are named one by one by the father and so it just shows you the heart of god and that we are we have to grow kind of like what we were reading in this passage that uh, we haven't gone over yet but when he says to add to your faith um we need to be adding these things to our faith so that uh, we won't be ill-equipped or we will be fruitful in our walk with Christ. And part of that is to start loving brotherly love, you know, and and the more we name one another, the more our name, other people's name, and we consider others are on our hearts and minds. Those things equate to brotherly love, and those things need to be practiced. It doesn't just happen just because you become a Christian.
1: hmm you know, when it's funny you so, brought that up with that many people being named. It's kind of like if you get CC'd on an email and there's like 16 to 20 people. You, you're not reading all those people's names. If you're, tag, if you're tagged in a post <laughs> on social media, usually you're not reading through all those names. Um, right. I will say this. I have, I when I say I'm going to pray for you, I do pray for you by name. And um, <laughs> if I know your name. Um, I've learned that. I did, in the past, I didn't. But I really started thinking, like, wait a minute. If I'm going to pray and tell people I'm going to pray, I'm going to really pray for them. I'm not going to just, like, you know. Like I just said, like tag someone and then not really go through the list. Yeah.
2: I'll pray for your brother and then go go away and forget, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's, well, there's so many things going on in your life. You know, it's hard to remember all this stuff. I, I really, I, I kind of make like a mental list of people that I told I would pray for. And I'm pretty good at that. Like, I don't, I don't think I've really forgotten anybody. Uh, I should probably write them down. I should probably do that just in case. Uh, but, you know, I mean, God knows if our heart's right. He knows you're praying. You're praying for all those. Oh, we have our friend back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My
1: wife just walked in the door. Oh, yeah. and of course the dogs
2: are excited. So,
1: ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. Um, so his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he has given us his own spirit, that divine power, to enable us because Jason let's face it can you imagine living the christian life this faith that we we carry on our own behalf like with with our own motives our own thoughts our own ways of doing things without the spirit in you i, I like it's a, it would be impossible we would be yeah, a how,
2: how would you be how would you get motivated how would you even when you fail how would you be uh encouraged to get back up how would you how would you f- understand that god is still with you um even when we even after we fail that we can get back up a righteous man falls seven times and rises back up again how would we know um how would we be led into all truth you know if it's just by if it's without the spirit of god we wouldn't have um we wouldn't we would be you wouldn't have anything to fight the enemy. You wouldn't mm. have anything to fight the flesh. You know what I mean. Exactly. So his thoughts would become ours. I mean, there's so many areas of blessing that when the when the disciples didn't understand that Jesus said, uh, "I now depart, and if I if I, it'd be better for you that I do leave, um, that way the Holy Spirit can come, and um, if if He doesn't go, the Holy Spirit won't come, and so." You know, at that time, I'm sure they were thinking like, no, how could it be any better without you (laughs) and with us? And then a spirit coming, the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in us, but we don't see you any longer. And we just didn't know. I mean, uh, they didn't know. We didn't know. We don't know still. It's still hard to imagine. And and, because we all want to see the glory of the Lord upon us, Um, even though we're at the point in our, in our, in our time that we've we're blessed because we believe and haven't seen, um, as Jesus said. And so, but we long to be with him, uh, but we do have a comforter and an advocate that fights for us. And, you know, we, we can kind of take him for granted at times, the, the spirit of God for granted, I think. Uh, I, and if I'm being honest with myself, I know that that can be the case because when you have a heart that longs to see Christ, it's very hard to, um, uh, in our difficult times, in our situation, to just depend on the spirit uh without you know without failure i should say Mm
1: -hmm. um verse four says by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them through those promises you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire um That's pretty powerful. We've become partakers of his, of the divine nature. (laughs) Like, Wrap your mind around that one. We're knowing who we are as human beings. I mean, think of just World War II alone. what, What human beings did to human beings, what politicians do daily, what we do in our daily lives, how we don't treat others the way we want to be treated, we're considered partakers in his divine nature because of his spirit that dwells inside of us. That's, that's, wow, that's really deep because I know my thoughts and they're not good sometimes. They're really bad. Um, And that's, that's the thing. I think we talked about this last week. That's the thing that can really help you overcome the guilt and shame part that we tend to fall into sometimes because we don't cast our cares upon him. Instead, we carry that weight and then we let our flesh overtake the spirit which you know it says the flesh is weak the spirit is much stronger but it's our but but the desire is to live in the flesh because we live in a in a natural world so we have to fight against that but when you understand that you're a partaker in his divine nature that can really help you overcome that mindset
2: absolutely it could also cause i mean just hearing that without understanding some of the rest of the scripture like like say for instance you are a new christian and you just picked that scripture up <laughs> and read that you'd be like what we mm-hmm. like what is that like you couldn't even comprehend no. the magnitude what that meant. so um what what you have to do in that situation is is look at okay a partaker a partaker of the divine nature you know when the spirit of god was given to us the Lord indwells in us and and to have that testimony, right? To see as what you just mentioned about um, responding to sin or responding to accusations or responding to somebody reviling. you. Bible tells us not to revile, not to um, seek evil or revenge, right? Um, so all these things are part of the divine nature. This is what God is. This is who God is, I should say. And when we are born again, we become partakers of that divine nature where we can be, where we can turn the other cheek, right? Even though in the flesh that's hard to do, but if you walk in the spirit, you can fulfill that, uh, that characteristics of the spirit of God, of that divine nature, and you can respond in the way that Jesus will respond. Um, and these are the things that I believe Peter is describing. We've, we've, Even though you might be a new Christian, you know that there's newness in you, right? Many old things, old things have passed away. You've seen a different light, you have a different mindset, a different perspective. As you walk, as Peter was mentioned earlier, you add to things in your faith, and it becomes easier to walk in that divine nature um, as you walk in this life. And so it's a blessing. It's such a blessing to be partakers of the divine nature because I we don't Although we struggle with our thoughts sometimes, um, and all those thoughts aren't always of ourselves, the enemy can come in and you mix up which thoughts are yours and which aren't, you know, you just don't know all the time, but we can cast those thoughts down, uh, take captive those thoughts, I say to the obedience of Christ, and we can walk in the divine nature. And that's a blessing. That's such a benefit, um, in a, in a responsibility that we have, uh, for the sake of the Lord.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and we're, you know, that word "partaker." I mean, you can translate it as "partner." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're we're partners with the creator of the universe. Amen. What a privilege! Like, awesome. what? Can, I mean, imagine like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's sometimes it just blows my mind because when you really think about that, the one that spoke things into existence has made you a partner with him, and one day we're going to rule and reign with him. Like, that's just like mind boggling, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like this. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> no, that's <was> good. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Lord. Praise so, the Lord. Verse five for this very. Ver- <laughs> <power. laughs> right. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Now, virtue can also be translated as moral excellency. So that's obviously our behavior matters because that's what's on display daily to the world. Uh, And virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Um so I mean again, you know, that's that would be a fruit. Those are fruits of the spirit, things that need to be shown to the world, to a dying world. And th- of course they're going to mock that. They're going to make fun of those behaviors because that's everything they're not. Because they're not partakers. They're not in that partnership with the living God. They're in it with themselves and the lust of the flesh, lust of the world. They're in it with the devil himself. They're children of the devil. So, of course, they're going to act away. So, Jason, we talked about this the other night. Uh, Me and Michael were talking about this on our show, The Blender, on Sunday. How, um... Oh. What? Not sure what happened there. Can I get a five-by-five out there? Is anybody hearing me or seeing me? I'm going to have to end... I think, I don't know if Jason, Jason must have just dropped out. That was weird. Anyway, I was going to say um, Michael and I were uh, discussing the other night about behavior and how important it is to a dying world because our behavior is what's proving the existence of that partnership that's living inside of us. That the, we are the temple of God, we have the, the living God living inside of us. So it's important for us to know uh see if jason's chiming in here it's important for us to show the world what it is to live the life of a christian and that doesn't mean we don't fall down it doesn't mean we don't skin our knees and and and, you know embarrass ourselves or embarrass others we're broken we're still broken it's the inner man that that spiritual side of us that's been born again thank you uh to to net booth thank you appreciate it five by five yeah it's i'm showing uh Everything looks good. His, I don't know. He was having technical difficulties earlier. That's why we're so late starting. You know, we were fifty minutes late or whatever. But um, maybe he'll be able to jump back in here. Um, I don't even know if he realizes that his internet cut out. So I don't know. I hopefully that makes sense to y'all. I mean, I think as Christians we can lose focus sometimes, and we forget that the spiritual side of us is the part that's born again. That's the part that is living for God. This flesh. Uh, you know my good friend Michael calls it the meat suit I love that the meat suit I'm going to use that and he's by the way that's probably trademarked so Michael I'm giving you the credit Um, this meat suit is let's just face it it's got its desires it's always me myself and I it's selfish it's always going to try to take the spirit is is the giving part of us that's the part that that we call upon when we're trying to live this life out this, this faith walk that we're on and it's not you know, we don't want to. We 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 should never feel guilty or um, or um. I was going to say ashamed, but we we do get ashamed sometimes because we're embarrassed by our behavior or things we've thought of or done. But that's not where we stay. No rearview mirrors. We we look forward in Christ, and we we go back to the back to Daddy and just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me get through another day. And that should be encouraging to us. We shouldn't have to sit there and think about how awful we are and how we already know we're awful. That's why he came and died for us. But now it's, it's as a Christian in our, in our walk with him, it's time to move forward and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And let's just, you know, work through it together. And that's why it's good to have accountability partners or, you know, people you can trust that you can confess your sins to. Um, you know, whether they're, they're close Christian friends or someone in your con- congregation. Here comes Jason. Let's see. <clears throat> That's really important that we have someone that we can talk to. Otherwise, you're just keeping this stuff inside and it's it's going to be really tough. Jason, you there?
2: Hey. (laughs) All right, you're back yeah man it was weird did you you probably didn't experience that did you no
1: i it it like all of a sudden just cut out and i wasn't sure if we lost everything it just happened it was just your zoom so everything went we're still live where everything's good
2: right yeah <laughs> we had a big explosion man oh um, really yeah it was a big like <laughs> it's kind of weird because i said dunamis power right just yeah no, oh my gosh yeah but i heard a loud explosion probably it sounded like it was about 100 yards away but it was loud and as soon as that thing blew up, my internet froze and went out. And all of our and my whole house went out. The the power yeah. went out completely? The that's, internet power went out. Yeah. Oh just my son's phone, my wife's uh, the radio okay. turned off and turned on. So it had something to do with electrical for sure.
1: Wow, that's weird. Uh,
2: that was crazy. It
1: wow. might have been a transformer. They they make a huge like it, yeah, it lights I up. Think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It but it sounded that's, like, like it was a transformer. But that's at least you got uh, power, so that's good. yeah yeah Yeah, so we were just talking we were just talking about the fruits of the spirit and how that manifests in our lives and how important it is to have accountability you know and someone you can talk to that's in the faith that won't you know go behind your back and gossip but to keep us on the straight and narrow because we need that we all need it and and this is you know going back to the pastor thing jason i think this is where it's 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 a shame it's gotten to this point but pastors have been putting up on put up on this pedestal And they're looked at like, oh, that's a holy, holy man, you know, and he can do no wrong because that's why he's the pastor. There's this, I don't know, there's this image that's been cast and it's not fair to the pastor. Um, And then the the pastor kind of falls into the trap and he has no one to go to because he's embarrassed of his own sins. I mean, that's why 75, it's the last number I saw, 70 to 75% of all pastors are addicted to porn. I mean that's a huge number. Yeah, it is. That's that's
2: pretty uh, unsettling there. Yeah, for
1: sure. and I mean, and they have no, who are they going to go to? They're afraid someone's going to go. You know, tell all their their seek dirty little secrets to everybody. Um, so they're stuck in it by themselves. They don't talk to their wives about it most likely. Um, and it's they're stuck in a vicious circle of of a sinful behavior that they don't they most of them probably don't want to be in but they have no way out. They have no one to be able to confess it to. That's that's a pretty sad state of the church.
2: Uh yeah, that's that's a true statement. Um I think there I think there are answers for that and I think a lot of that can be attributed to many that uh and I, again, I I'm not saying everyone there everyone's in a different situation, but I, I think that a lot of the Glitz and glamour and respect and honor that you get, um, that could be borderline worship Mm -hmm. that some pastors get, you know, could put them in that situation. And if they're not careful, um, that 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 could go to their head, so to speak, you know what I mean? And they could they could seek that, they their motives is, is very important, and uh, whether or not those um stumbling blocks can be delivered or or they stay with you you know um i've seen both like i said i've seen some men of god that that uh amazingly uh, avoided all of those things and um and i should say navigated. because when i say avoid it doesn't mean that that doesn't come to you because the enemy is always trying to come to you but mm. they've handled it and and resisted those things uh with with grace and. Uh, with with truth. So, But then there's some that, again, it's a struggle their whole time and, and because they don't want to confess it, many of them, uh, it stays with them. And because they've, they've lifted themselves up in a high position and, and think of themselves higher than they are, a lot of times it sticks with them and they don't have anybody to tell it to because not because they don't have to have anybody, because they just don't want to tell anybody. They don't want it out. And that's that can be pride sometimes so you just have to be careful but definitely pray for them and uh you know understand that 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 is the
1: case with many of them it really is a hard hard thing nowadays i mean it's it's become this position of power and it never was meant to be that way uh i mean if you're the head of the church i don't i and i don't know if this is just an american thing or if this is kind of through all cultures but it just seems like definitely here in this country that that position has been elevated to a status the lord never meant it to be and i i don't know if, if that's just unique to america or if that's throughout the world yeah
2: I'm not i mean sure either. i mean
1: i you know the televangelist there's guys all over the world and i mean they are definitely elevated into like some kind of you know uh they like they're they should have a star on the walk of fame or something in hollywood but um <laughs> But you know that's that's t v so I don't know if that's you know if the smaller churches in another country are like that or not, but it's just a shame that it's gotten to that point that you that the pastor can't talk to somebody about his own sins. you know, I remember one of my pastors i I felt like the Lord was telling me, tell him that he needs prayer, mm-hmm. and I went to him on Sunday and you know I'm a young Christian, and I walk up to him, and I just says you know i I think." I think we're supposed to have a group of people that are specifically praying for you mm-hmm. and for your needs and stuff. And he kind of just like shrugged it off, right? And I was like, "Well, that's not the response I expected." Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get, "Well, thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, let's let's." Right. No, it wasn't that at all?
2: So yeah. I so maybe sad. it exposed part of his heart to him. You know what I mean? Or to, to maybe to you? Who knows? Um, yeah. I you don't know, know the Lord knows all things, and so a lot of times he. He can work in areas that we aren't uh, privy to when it comes to how we think somebody will respond because they're the pastor, you know.
1: Yeah, maybe. So, maybe. Yeah. Uh, verse 8 says, uh, For if these qualities... I don't know why that thing's there. Oh, here. Okay. <laughs> uh, why won't it go away? I don't even know how that came up there. Uh, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you something, something, something. <laughs> <laughs> In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. (sighs) Uh, (laughs) Bible trivia, people, Bible trivia, fill in your answers in the (laughs) sigh. Actually, I've got it open on my phone so I can read it. (laughs) For if these qualities are yours and are are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Boy, ain't that true. Kind of what we were just talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're talking about being ineffective as a Christian. How can you be ineffective as a Christian? Well, it tells you right here. If if these qualities aren't in you, then you're going to be ineffective and unfruitful. And so this is the answer to those who um, always bring criticism of the church, uh, which we see, right? We can see um, the church and, and all of us have church stories, which is probably why Many of us right now are are even on this Insight for Living program
1: <laughs> let, let me just let, yeah, Insight for <laughs> Living. That's actually trademarked. I can't use it. I'm Insight. <laughs> oh, I'm
2: sorry. Insight I'm sorry. for okay. Living.
1: I think is James James Dobson or something. But yeah, uh, I can't. Okay. <laughs> and All I right, well, and I'm it's spelled different too. Me. Yeah gotcha okay yeah
2: Yours a spell with a cross not a t yes got it. <laughs>
1: and no i no G H T. I G
2: T. right <laughs> but um but no we, we see the effects of this scripture right here not being applied uh in the walk of many christians and so um this is how the world can blaspheme the name of christ this is how atheists and different people can mock the church this is how um we can have sincere brother in the face brothers in the faith that are hurt and uh don't trust uh people christians we can have uh, religiosity i mean there's so many different ways you can go in, in, in entanglements because of this right here the lack of these things right here um ineffective you can be an ineffective witness for christ if you don't have these things uh, yeah i'm a christian i believe in god but i'm still carnal i still walk in the ways of the world i still am addicted to Uh, Some of the same addictions. I haven't added anything to my faith once I believed on Jesus. I haven't started to follow him and obey his commands and to um, add virtue, which is, like you said, moral purity or moral excellence. Um, I haven't added knowledge. I'm still kind of not really understanding what God wants from me. Uh, I still don't understand what the gospel is really all about. I still don't understand how to be saved. Um, I don't know how to explain that to others. Um, So these things cause us to be ineffective in our walk. And so it's a practice that you put these things on. God is telling you, God is telling us through Peter here that he doesn't want us to be ineffective and unfruitful. He wants to produce more fruit. And remember, the thing about being unfruitful is Jesus said that every tree that doesn't produce fruit will be cut down. And so God is looking to produce 30, 60, hundred-fold fruit inside His body. Hmm.
1: So, yeah, we need to do that. yeah. Um, I know it can be irritating as brothers and sisters of Christ when you hear someone trying to correct you. You know, they're, they're, and, and sometimes it can be done maybe not in the best tone of voice. <laughs> but all in all, we should be able to be rebuked. We should welcome that if it's if it's done correctly and it's done in the right frame of mind and in the right spirit, because that's what ultimately gets us back on the path. God uses other people to chasten us sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's important to be open to that chastening so that we can move forward in that faith and bear fruits so we don't get cut down like that tree that's not bearing fruit. You know and peter says uh therefore i intend always to remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have therefore i intend always to remind you always to remind you <laughs> i think Absolutely. it i think it right as long as i am in the body to stir you up by way of reminder Amen. wow yeah, I mean that's good and that's coming from peter so i mean you know, who are we to, you know, when someone comes to us to say, you know, I I think you're, you should probably work on that. You know, there's, there's some things you're doing that aren't right. Um, I don't know. Paul rebuked
2: Peter. Remember
1: that? He did.
2: Remember? Yeah. Paul
1: rebuked Peter. And so Peter has the, the,
2: Peter is saying this, uh, also being, um, being a witness to it, being an example of it when Paul rebuked him for, uh, being kind of double-minded, uh, or I should say, showing favoritism to the Jews That's right. and, and when the Gentiles, and Paul had to rebuke him openly. So yeah, um, he said, you know, yeah. It, Paul it, says
1: he went to his face. <laughs> he yes. went right to his face. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. in front
2: of all to, oh, man. to hear. And so, um, you know, and then the thing is too, if you've come to be a Christian, and let's say you didn't have a father coming up or you didn't have, you weren't used to being corrected. Let's say you grew up in, you know, this time where a lot of parents now, you know, in their cultural now, they don't believe in whoopings or they don't believe in disciplining children or, you know, they just believe their kids can run around and do whatever they want. If you had an upbringing like that, correction is hard to receive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's very hard to receive. And so you have to, as a Christian, be mindful that first, The Word of God is your authority, which is Christ, the head of the church. And when He corrects us through His Word is one thing. And if you're diligent enough to continue to read the Word, you'll be corrected many times throughout our walk with Christ as we continue to stay in the Word. But many times that correction also comes through an individual that is also reading the Word that the Lord may use for a time uh, to get your attention in an area that He needs your attention. And so um, another person may have to come along and correct you. And that should be a good thing. In Proverbs, it tells us that to learn, you must love correction. And he who loves correction is wise. And so um, one of the things I'll I'll say that isn't easy, but it's you must learn to love correction. I've learned to say, yay, Lord, whatever the truth is. That's the truth. No matter how hard it hurts, and no matter how hard it comes across, um, but it's good for us. We need we need to be
1: whipped sometimes. We do, and it can be a little embarrassing. Let's face it. I mean, you know, the Lord never embarrasses us, but it can. But our own sin exposes things, and that can be very embarrassing. And I think that's probably, for me personally, that's the biggest struggle, and that's probably a pride issue that I have to deal with. <laughs> you know, that usually what's what stems what it stems from. Um, okay. You know, in uh, verse 15, he says, uh, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. What an interesting choice of words, departure. Uh, Obviously, Peter's saying, yeah, I'm going to die for the faith and it's time to to leave. And I mean, when I think of departure, and and I'm sure, Jason, you working at the airport, (laughs) I mean, you think the same thing I'm thinking with the word departure, correct?
2: I'm not sure what you're thinking, to
0: be honest with you. I don't want to read your mind. (laughs) I mean, how many
1: times on that big screen at the airport does it say departure? You know, it's like you just you you know, as a plane leaving and going for a destination. Peter's talking, he's he has a destination he's going to. And he's looking forward to that departure, as you or I would if we're going on vacation with our families. Right. And he's not looking at it as, as in fear. He's looking at it in face, and I've already put my trust in the one that died and rose again. I'm ready for the departure. I'm Absolutely. just trying to. I'm just trying to exhort the church now before I leave. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's Absolutely. that's what I'm saying. Like these guys were in the face of it every day of the persecution yeah. and death, threats of death, and he knew it was coming. And Paul, you know, even in Paul's letters, he said the same thing. You know, it's not long before I have to, I go to be you know home, and that's so. Right uh i mean that's a good lesson for us who are not under that kind of persecution thank god at this you know point in our country's history but i think that's that's a good mindset to have to know that none of us are guaranteed the next second so if you have that mindset of it it being a departure and i i honestly do i i there's days i'm just like lord let it be today i'm (laughs) I'm ready to go home like i because you're just sick of the struggle sick of the you know the the uh, like was it uh, lot when lot was you know it says his the lot's poor soul was tormented daily with what he was seeing and what he was surrounded by and he was in a cesspool vexed yes yeah vexed by it yeah and so i understand that i like that word departure i think that's you know congratulations peter good choice of words (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: for sure i mean paul said it best too to be absent from the body is present with the lord and so um yes, and that's also it speaks to speaking of peter's departure it speaks to those who think that um the disciples were awaiting uh jesus's return at any time you know that whole pre-trib type of yeah. thing you know not the pre, not just that
1: but um yeah just you know him, the, his second coming
2: yeah, second coming, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Peter knew he was going to die before the Lord came back. As a matter yeah. of fact, the Lord even told him, you will, can you suffer the cup that I am, can you drink from the same cup that I'm drinking? And in that uh, conversation, he was telling him that, indeed you will. Um, and so he knew that he was going to die before the Lord came back. So I just thought that was interesting. I yeah. Had...
1: Nope, for sure. Um, our good friend Luann is in the chat. Thank you for the shades, Luann. appreciate that. Yeah. Were you, were, you, were you trying to wear them? I was trying to wear them. <laughs> Actually, in your Zoom settings, they have shades you can put on. So if you want to do that. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that, uh... you know, yeah, not that hip yet. <clears throat> or yeah, what, I don't big even, big. hip. Does anybody even use the word hip anymore? I don't even,
0: <laughs>
1: showing my age. <laughs> uh, based, I don't know, whatever they're using. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, when you were talking about, you know, chastening your brother and sister or hearing a rebuke or something like that, you know who popped in my mind who does that very well? Our good friend Robert. <laughs> ah, <okay. laughs> he is, man, has he, like, he'll text me or call me or even on a show or after a show. Like, man, he is, like, you know, he's, when he's hearing the Lord, like, and I know. I'm, like, I, I literally just shut up and I listen. And he did that recently. Like, when he was, it was our last show together. When we went off the air, he started prophesying over me like the lord was speaking to him and uh, man it was like i'm like how does he do this he reads my mail every time <laughs> it's just crazy <laughs> but i'm thankful for that i mean it's yeah, and same absolutely. thing with my my good friend barb man she's the same way like she she'll rebuke me or she'll send me a letter the reason i'm podcasting the reason i'm doing this is because of her otherwise i'd still be sitting on my hands doing nothing I mean, she literally, like, you know, I was on vacation. She sends me a text. She goes, when you get back, you better start doing that. Like, I mean, it was like, I knew it was the Lord. I knew it was him speaking through her. And I was just like, okay, okay, (laughs) I'll do it. Uh, Yeah, Luann says she misses Robert. There's times I miss him. No, I'm just kidding, Luann. I miss him. (laughs) Uh, No, he's working hard. He likes his job, and he says it's going pretty well. But uh, it's pretty tough hours for him. As what hours are you working? oh gosh it's like um seven is it seven in the night till three in the morning or four in the morning i don't know, it's some uh, weird okay. yes yeah, i don't it's yeah. pretty crazy yeah,
2: yeah not uh, afternoons not midnights but you
1: know yeah yeah <laughs> i'll have shift. i'm sure i'll be able to get him back on in one of his you know vacation times or slots or whatever he'll come back on do some guest appearances if, if if enough people want him back. I mean, you know, right, right. Luann might be his only fan. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I kid. I kid. Uh, all right. Let's get back to the word here. Jason, by the way, what time do you have to leave for work?
2: Uh, I'm on vacation, bro. Oh, okay. Speaking cool. on vacation. Yeah. All right. Yeah, right. I'm on vacation. So uh, hey, um, I'm
1: enjoying this time off. Beautiful. Good for you. Yeah. All right. You want to read, bro? Or you want me to continue?
2: Um whatever you choose brother i'm trying to figure out where we are i don't have it up oh yeah
1: okay does it Got show it. okay yeah go ahead read verse 16.
2: verse 16 okay um for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from god the father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the mountain, on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit
1: hallelujah
2: there's a lot to touch on there too
1: yeah actually you know what? let me go back here uh, right off the bat for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord christ, lord jesus christ powerfully devised myths boy do we have that right now how many powerfully devised myths do we have going on i mean the new age movement is a perfect example of that and that's similar to what they were experiencing then the greek philosophy had worked its way in mixed in with judaism and all these other things they were putting together and kind of forming their own religions and a lot of you know false christ-like teachings Sure, they, they seemed like moral teachings, they seemed like good things that you could live by, which truth is always that way, but ultimate truth leads you to a man, Jesus Christ and and they weren't they were just trying to do it their own way so they could avoid you know the sin part. <laughs> so isn't that funny how we do that? Like just mankind'll we'll do anything to we suppress the truth and unrighteousness, as Romans one talks about. you'll do anything to avoid that so you, so you don't have to worry about the coming judgment. We all know that. I don't care. You know. I know people say they're atheists. They don't believe. Whatever. But there's there is something inside of every human being. You the, the Bible says that you will you will you will give an account of your life. It will happen. That day is coming, and all know that that day is coming. Instinctively, we know that. So you can deny it. You can shun it. You can push it down. Suppress it. Whatever you want to do with it. But ultimately, when you lay that you know your head on that pillow at night, and if you're not believing in Him. I would suggest you you think about that day and it's a it is a terrifying day jason i mean if anybody's been to court before court's nerve-wracking i can't imagine standing in the courts of heaven before a holy god like that's like ooh. <laughs> yes absolutely
2: yeah it's the, the funny thing is that most people are people that walk by sight right we're told to walk by faith not by sight Right. In other words, the things that we see now aren't necessarily the whole truth of everything because of, you know, what has already happened in the past. Um, and so most people, the the irony in that, though, is this, is that when most people that deny God's word, um, they'll always say the same excuse. Well, how do you know you weren't there? Right. Or how do you know? I, I didn't see it. Prove it to me. Um, Speaking of the resurrection, speaking of the miracles that happened in the Bible and the things that God did, that is written, that are recorded for us. And here, Peter says something that is pretty plain and and should at least cause the proud man to consider what he says. He says, you know, these cleverly devised fables and, and, and uh, what is the word he uses in this particular D- translation? Myths. Um, myths. Myths. Yeah. Um, he says we were eyewitnesses to what happened we saw it with our own eyes and this refutes anything that uh can be laid upon any excuse any scoffing that could be done towards the word of god because peter is writing from a fact from a position that he actually saw this with his own eyes and so after that um you see people excuse the Bible as myths and and different things, or how do you believe that? Oh, you actually believe the ark existed? Oh, oh, you hear all those taunts and different things that people say, and it's it's kind of like, you know, you, you, I just feel a a um, sense of relief when you know the Word of God, and most most of these people don't know the Word of God; they just know what they hear or what what somebody said. And when you really read the Word of God, the Word of God is a strong tower, the Bible says. You can run in it and find safety. You can find a surety and position in the truth of the Word of God. Peter here, just like Paul did, just like John did, said, listen, we were eyewitnesses to this. And they wrote, nobody writes like that and cleverly just devise myths and fables. They don't write, hey, we were eyewitnesses to this. We were. We weren't privy to any myth or we weren't uh, nobody just told us anything we actually saw it. and then Paul comes along and say these things were written so that you may believe because we saw and even if you don't believe us there's still 500 people alive today or 100 people alive today that you can go and speak to at the time it was written Paul said these things so you can have absolute assurity surety that the word of God is true and um you know when the scoffers and the and the deniers come just make sure that you add to your faith knowledge of the word of god
1: i'm gonna try to do my best atheist voice that you just used (laughs) jason (laughs) jason dude you really believe in floating axe heads bro you believe in a talking donkey (laughs) a hand writing on a wall come on man (laughs) i don't know is that is that an atheist i don't know i'm not making i have i have friends that are atheists i'm not making fun of anybody i'm just saying like you know we're just kind of laughing and joking around with each other but not trying to be disparate (laughs)
2: My <laughs> wife heard you and she's she kicked in the door and just started cracking up.
1: <laughs> hi, Christy. <laughs> so, you know, um, high, babe. <laughs> but you know, it's look, <laughs> we sound like Bill and Ted or something, man. Um,
2: right? Yeah. Not not all atheists are all, all, <laughs> no, all, all no. white guys. No. Who are
1: oh my gosh embarrassing myself on live television um uh no i agree man like it is it's i i get it from their point of view i totally understand it. like it makes if, if you're deceived you're deceived you just you're blind you cannot see yeah. they are 100 percent blind I've, I've used the analogy a million times but it makes sense stevie if you were born like was stevie i don't know if stevie was born blind i think he became blind um Let's just... Stevie... Pre- oh,
2: you're talking about Stevie Wonder.
1: Yeah, okay. I think he... Okay, let's just say he was born blind. Okay, if I'm I... Talk to him like you knew him or something. Yeah, it means... Stevie, you know, Stevie. My, my boy, my boy Stevie. <laughs> I called him Wonder, but, you know, whatever. Right, right. Uh, but <laughs> he... Uh, but, you know, if you're blind and you're born blind, if I say red, you have no clue what red is. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, if I say red to you, you, you might think of red apple. You might think of your sweatshirt, you know, your hoodie or whatever. But it's like... If you're blind, you don't know that. So that's the way I have to look at the world. The world is 100% blind. They do not know truth. They don't know Jesus Christ. And it's obvious. And so I have to be patient with them, just as Jesus was, long-suffering, and hoping that some come to him through whatever you know I speak or you speak or some other brother and sister in Christ speaks to them. So it's patience with them so i get it when i hear atheist arguments yeah of course i laugh at them inside because i'm like oh boy they just don't get it do they and they're thinking the (laughs) same thing about me but they're calling me names (laughs) you know so i'm not calling them names i i just understand that they're in a depraved state they're in a state that they cannot see so it's important to have patience with them but at the same time they're going to be without excuse he's given us plenty of evidence in creation in space and time and whatever it's all there for the taking if you want to know the truth it doesn't you don't even Frank Turk is so good at this on cross-examine he he doesn't a lot of times he won't even use the Bible when he's talking to them to show that the evidence is all around them they just don't see it and I think that's brilliant to be able to use use the things God created rather than his word because they're not gonna listen to the word anyway they think we're dumb for following it they think it's a myth So, when you can use creation and science, you know, which they claim they are, they use, uh, then it kind of, they have to, it's like that uh, two-legged stool. It's going to fall over, you know. It's, the the third leg's been kicked out on them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's go back to that scripture again and and speak to the brethren. Um, Which one? The uh, first one? 16? Yeah. No, no, we're after
1: that now. I think we kind
2: of discussed that enough
1: um i like uh 17 i mean for when he received honor and glory from god the father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven uh for we were with him on the holy mountain um jason one thing about that um so okay so they witnessed that they saw it they heard the voice and i mean i can't even like that would be kind of a freaky thing. I mean, let's face it. Like, <laughs> you know, you see him like being transformed before you into his holiness, into his glory. And you hear the father's voice. I mean, it's, I'm sure like, just like the, you know, on uh, Mount Sinai when, when it all happened, um, they were terrified. Remember the lightnings and appealings of thunder and all that stuff. I mean, it had, that's supernatural. That's not mm-hmm. something you hear. Like when that, that big boom just happened for you, that kind of like freaked you out a little bit. I mean, imagine you know seeing something like yeah. this and hearing the voice of God. But at the same time, the interesting part about this is I, I looked this up because I, the Mount of Transfiguration, where this happened, there's there's two suspected uh, mountains that they think it could be. Tabor is one of them, and I think the other one is um, uh, is it the Mount of Olives? Oh no, I forgot. Uh, or no, it's uh, Mount Mount Hermon. Um, and, and the interesting about that, and, and I tend to believe it's Mount Hermon because um, that is where the, in, in the book of uh, Enoch, it talks about the angels descended, right? They came down and that's where all the, they, they revealed secrets of heaven to the, to the people mm-hmm. from from the Mount of Mount Hermon. And and I it would be just like Jesus to go to that very mountain where they disobeyed and left their first estate. Mm -hmm. and him to show up there and be transfigured before them and put them on notice before his crucifixion. Like, I I just, that makes the most sense to me. Can I prove that? Not really. I mean, I think there's some good evidence for it. I've read, like, Michael Heiser has an awesome book on that, and he he goes into really deep depths about it. That's just the surface level. But I think Mm -hmm. it could be that mountain. And and I'm just saying that because I, the supernatural state of that transformation, they saw it. Peter witnessed it. I think it wasn't John with him. I think it was John with Peter when they they both saw it. So, I mean, that's, you know, again, an eyewitness account. Now you could say, oh, well they were just both crazy. Okay. You could say that. Or they were both stoned out of their mind. You know? Okay. You could say that too. But I don't know. Peter died for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They
2: all, they all did. And and to a certain degree, (laughs) except John, they all died for their faith. Um, but the, the other thing to that is you also had, in this verse it doesn't mention it, but it mentions it when it first happened in the Gospels that Elijah and Moses appeared to him at that same
0: transfigure mm-hmm. where they
2: were all trans, not transfigured but they were all shown, and the voice that same voice the Father from heaven said, you know when they wanted to build altars for him he said no nope, no nope, these these this is my son in whom I'm gonna please. he listened to him only. Mm-hmm. At that time, Elijah and Moses disappeared, you know, and so just amazing. But it also showed it, it showed the, the the authority of Christ and whom the um, respect and and honor is to be given, and shown us who we need to listen to. But it also showed that these same men were resurrected that had died previously. Well, Elijah may have not died; right. people don't believe Elijah died, yeah. but Moses clearly died. And these were of the Old Testament. So these same people were resurrected and were alive, you know, but we are to listen to Christ. And so I just thought that was pretty interesting as well.
1: Well, another one other thing about that is Moses obviously represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. Prophets, So, So you see him on either side of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled both. That's right, right. I That's mean, so right. his, it's, I, it, like, there's so much significance in that transfiguration in that moment, and Peter witnessed it. That's the important part here. That he's saying, "I saw it and I heard," and I don't care what you people think. <laughs> I know what I saw and heard. So, amen. yeah, amen. Yeah.
2: You got some comments, bro? Uh,
1: I was gonna go. I'm just. Uh, there was something else I wanted to talk about here. Oh, uh, 19, okay. yeah, uh, and we have the prophetic word. people say well it's just guys that wrote oh is that the voice or am i using a different one it's just some guys it's just some guys writing a book dude sorry sorry
2: <laughs> oh boy forgive us uh you guys that actually <laughs> somebody rebuked me the word of god sorry. and don't sound like that so um, <laughs> might sound a little bit more intelligent but either way <laughs>
1: Jason uh you know that uh, no I see I can't even do an intelligent voice so yeah that's all right. I'm not intelligent enough uh no but let's face it like, we've heard it a million times oh yeah it's a bunch of guys that wrote that book you don't man, think you they're get
0: that stupid stuff
1: you don't get think that stupid stuff, man. <laughs> that's a good one i like that one
0: i like that but like you all talk about that stupid <laughs>
1: but it's but it's i get it again i get it i get it it's a book, just like any other book in the world. There's zillions of books in this world, and someone wrote the book. Our, my question is, well, okay, you think it's guys that wrote the book. Then how in the world did they write it on three different continents, 40 different authors, three different languages, uh, I, I don't know how many, a span of 4,000 years or whatever it is, 3,500 years, and somehow it all just lines up perfectly together. No internet, no mail. Uh, yeah. You know, I—it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Absolutely,
2: absolutely, and you know, again, what we, what you were speaking to about the law and Jesus fulfilling them both—the law and the prophets—and what the prophets represented, Isaiah—I'm sorry, Elijah—and what Moses represented, the law, were there with Christ, and they both disappeared because. Another another significance, the prophecy had been fulfilled. This was the morning star that came that Isaiah spoke about. This was the same prophet that Moses spoke of that was going to be raised up so that we would have to listen to him. Um, All of these prophetic words that were written about Christ and how Jesus can go into the temple in the synagogue and say, and read uh, Isaiah 14, I believe. I I think that's the word he read from and say, this day this scripture is fulfilled and shut the book. Mm -hmm. Um, How does Jesus do all those things and line up with what was written thousands of years and hundreds, hundreds and thousands of years before he ever came to the earth? And he just fulfilled them with such accuracy and precision that it was undeniable and so this is the proof the solid rock foundation that we have is that uh as peter is saying here no prophecy was of any private interpretation or any that came of man these things sorry Oh, that's
1: alright. That's, that's fine. I'm trying Set to find. Yeah.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> but, you, um... you said something that I wanted to see if I have a video of it because um, I just watched something about you were saying you know that for Jesus to to fulfill all those prophecies the odds are staggering like you, it's impossible. Yes. Um, and there was a guy that did a video on it, and it's it's something I've heard before. Um, oh, you need
2: somebody else to verify the black man's words.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, this is, you always got to turn it into race, man. You and Robert. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> My it's, words aren't sufficient in that it's, time. Oops, no.
1: yeah. Oh, gosh, I keep closing stuff out. Sorry. Yeah, Um, so I'm distracted by the the whole race thing right now. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm ex- I'm, ex- I'm exerting my uh, white privilege on this show right now. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, no, there's there's um, an analogy of the odds of Jesus just fulfilling eight of those prophecies. And it uses the state of Texas. And I know probably everybody's heard this one, but I think it's so so cool. <clears throat> Imagine the entire state of Texas filled with half dollars, silver dollars, up to your knee and one of those silver dollars has on one side of them a red X and then you blindfold somebody and you say okay now walk into the state you know walk across the border go into the state of Texas and I want you to pull out that one silver dollar with an X on it okay that's never going to happen we all know that it's the odds are you know staggering but that's only eight prophecies that's not over three hundred that he's fulfilled, and there's more to be fulfilled. I and mean, if he fulfilled those, guess what? He's going to fulfill the rest. Like that's a staggering number. It's it's an impossible task, and yet Jesus did it. So explain that. How does that come about in the Word of God? I mean, that's that's Amen. that's incredible. The Lord of glory. Yeah, mm. and I and I've heard other analogies too, but that's the one I always remember. I just feel like anybody can you know picture that in their head and say wow yeah texas is a pretty big state <laughs> you know even if it was a small state i mean if, if i said hey jason let's let's do this little thing and we're going to go up to vermont or uh, or no we'll do uh, like massachusetts <laughs> you know oh that's a small state i could probably find one and no you're not you're never going to find that half dollar <laughs> right. and i'm you know uh gosh yeah anywho uh, I think
2: honestly the fun thing about that is one of the one of the greatest prophecies i believe and I just say all of them are great, obviously, because they're all uh, miraculous in the sense that the fact that he fulfilled them. But one of the things I love where you can just look in the New Testament and you can look at Jesus speaking to the religious Pharisees, the same atheist, atheist mindset that didn't believe in Christ when he told them because they were so full of pride. He says, look, I'll tell you what What sign you're going to give. Tear down this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. That prophetic word that came out of his own mouth, I love it because it thinks about they're so full of pride and they're thinking about, wait a minute, it took us years to build this temple. Like, come on, what temple? I'm going to build it up in three days. And he was, of course, speaking of his body. And then he rose from the dead just as he said he would, just as the disciples uh, had proclaimed as well. And um, <laughs> he just you know, showed them to be foolish in their heart and their pride deceived them. But he did exactly what he said, which is why he is the spirit of prophecy.
1: So, and that was actually a twofold prophecy because the temple was torn down and not one stone would, was laid upon another in 70 right. AD. So, like, right. yeah, I don't know. It, it's you don't want to believe. You're just not going to believe. I think that's it. It comes down to the human heart and how corrupt it really is. And I remember, Jason, when I was coming to Christ, it came to a point where I knew it was true. And I have and everybody has this choice. You can you come to that moment and you're like, I either follow the truth where it where it's led, which is to Jesus, or I ignore it. And that's that's what people are gonna have to answer for on that day of judgment. They're gonna know it was true, and there's no way to suppress it, and there's no way to hide it before a holy God. It's just not gonna be hidden anymore. You think it's hidden. It's not even hidden right now. It's just he's allowing you more grace and more time to repent and come to him. He loves us. He doesn't. He, he's not trying to scold you. He's trying to lead you to him. He understands your condition. He understands your unbelief. He understands why you don't believe. Maybe there's hurts in your life. Maybe there's, you know, abuse back in, in a church or something. Or someone did something to you in the name of Christianity and they abuse their privilege in, in the faith. That happens all the time because, because they're fallen human beings. And they should have apologized, and they should have came to you and said, "This is not the way of Christ. I, I messed up." I don't know. I feel like I'm speaking to someone right now. I, I, I there's a lot of hurt in in the name of Christianity, unfortunately. In fact, last night I was in a chat and someone said the same thing. They're like, they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, Christians, you know, it's some Christian." I was. It was a TikTok live I was watching, and uh, the guy was saying, "Oh yeah, you know, Christians were abusing kids. That's that's why you know there's no God." And I'm just like, "Okay, so human beings that are bad." in the name of God, do something, and that repre- and that's supposed to be God? Like, that's, that's a foolish way to look at it. Um, but I understand why they do that. Uh, but I think it's just, you know, the church, I, it wouldn't hurt if we as Christians humbled ourselves a little bit and went to the unbelievers and said, you know what, we're really sorry. We've misrepresented Jesus Christ many, many times. I think that would be a good humbling moment where they might actually say, oh, so you're not holier than thou? You're not looking down at me, you know, on your, you know, down your nose at me or like you're some big pious, you know, preacher or something. Like, I think we just have to be really humble and, and we have to be transparent with these people that, hey, we're broken too. But guess what? He He's he's taken this broken vessel and he's he's producing fruit from it. And sometimes that fruit looks rotten. But hopefully more than, more times than not, it's, it's multiplying you know and it's and it's helping someone or helping into someone's situation i think we just i don't know the church it's become very smug at times and that's a shame mm,
2: yeah i don't know i don't i'm not sure where i stand um in that regard as far as well no i i know where i stand but i guess how that's delivered and how that message is, is spoken uh depends on each individual church maybe that's Um, what i should have
1: said i I should have let me yeah you're right it's not when i say the church i'm talking about the ones that just that have had a smug attitude not all churches of course i shouldn't i I have a bad habit of generally labeling things and i i want to make clear the whole church is not bad there's individuals we're all broken we all make mistakes we just need to be more transparent in that and i think when you're i've had many times when i'm speaking to someone individually and they bring up a hurt in the church it's a very common thing and no Absolutely. one in that church addressed that person's problem, and they didn't. Yes. They didn't come to him and say, "Gosh, we're really sorry." That's that's more. I guess what I'm I'm trying to convey here. Sorry. Got you. Yeah. No. I,
2: I, I, that's that's good because that's. That, I agree with that 100. percent I, I definitely believe that that hasn't been done in in many cases, and and the fact of the matter is, man, it won't be done usually from those that have done the offense typically right because we know that Satan's goal is to get in the church is to mock the church is to make the church not represent Christ uh, effectively and and uh, in those areas. So I mean that's what Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for you know he rebuked Israel for that he's gonna he's rebuking the churches for that as well just like he did in the book of revelations. Um, when he addressed seven different churches for different things, um, and so what we have to do as the body of Christ, uh, whether you be whether you are having a house, you know, fellowship, whether you are on a podcast, responsible for teaching the truth of God's word, whether you are in a building with a hundred, two hundred, five thousand people, we have to be accountable to one to another, and the Word of God, and. You know, I mean, part of the ministry is what? To expose the evil works of darkness. That's both in the church and outside of the church. Mm -hmm. We're not to judge the world. We're supposed to judge ourselves, um, which we are the body. And so that's one of the reasons why you're saying the same things you're saying even today and in the past is that these things have hurt people. They have been deep wounds and offenses for people that maybe uh, would have been in the body of Christ and been a babe in the body of Christ by now. But we also know that the scripture says that no man cometh to God unless the spirit draws him. And so um, we need to have the spirit of God in us clearly uh, where we're not grieving the Holy Spirit so that our lives can represent Christ in an effectual, in effectual manner so that we can do these things. So we can admit the faults of the church. Right. That's kind of what you're doing right now, admitting the fault of former, uh, or people that are in the body and claim, claiming the name of Christ. And we need to do that. We need to be humble to admit those things, to be humble and confess those things. That's part of the scripture too. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be what? Ill. You can confess sins to an unbeliever. And if the spirit of God is drawing that person, typically that will help in healing, in the healing process to draw them closer to Christ, which is what you do all the time, and mm-hmm. and. You know, we need to be those things. But, uh, and I don't need to, re- I guess, talk about that again, because you've already made clear what you were referring to. Because um, I think there are some good examples that, um, that the accuser of the brethren might come in and say, hey, you're doing this and make false accusations, right? There's false accusations that have been in the news. I mean, we've had them at our church um, uh, years ago, obviously, before I got there as well. But me hearing about them, I heard of some false accusations that were just flat out false. But because they made news, people believed them. And it's like, man, people will believe an accusation without examining anything. So you got to be careful of that as well and being transparent and contrite and saying what is true and what isn't true. So,
1: Hmm. yeah, it's all uh, everything's a charade. You really got to look. You got to look behind that curtain. To find yeah. the truth, it's it's everywhere. Deception is everywhere in this world right now. It is. This has to be one of the biggest moments in history of deception. It is at an all-time high because the media is in on it, and the media is where everybody gets their truth from. And uh, man, if you're not looking, and I, you know, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm surprised they haven't shut down the internet yet. Like I, I feel like that day's coming. That that's because they need to because that's the only place people are really digging to get the truth right now. So, you know, and I mean, for us, we obviously we're getting the truth in the word, but I mean, in the world, it's very difficult place. Uh, Verse 20 says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, So that I mean, prophecy here, Peter's talking obviously he's talking about the prophetic word, a word of knowledge, something that was given to somebody, but he's also talking of scripture itself. And the Holy Spirit, I think this is something that can be very confusing. People are like, okay, well, you know, men just wrote that book. And then you're saying, well, no, they were, you know, God gave them the words. God, God inspired that person writing, but that person used his own will and his own intellect to write, to choose the words. It wasn't like dictation, like some secretary or something like that, shorthand. It was it was the personality of the person that God used because God will always allow our free will. We're free will creatures. He didn't create robots. And that's something you can, this is very evident all through the Bible. When, when you can see the different styles of writing between Paul and Peter even. It's very different. Same thing with the gospels. You see four different, gospels with the same message, maybe a different point of view, a different angle, but, but they're being led by the spirit of, of God when they're writing. So it's not dictation, it's inspiration. I think that's a very important point to make. Cause I know a lot of Christians believe, oh, they just got into some, like some kind of trance and they started doing automatic writing, you know, <laughs> like, you know? no, God allowed. And uh, this is important. I think that's very important that he'll, it shows that we're free will creatures. And yet, with all that, the message is very clear, and without hypocrisy and without error. Amen. He used Amen. in he used us, corrupt individuals, broken human beings, to write his perfect word. How cool is that? That is very cool.
2: I love that. I love that phrase: uh, inspiration, not dictation. Uh, that's the first time I heard that. I, I love that because I've I've never, I never. I don't think I've ever thought that through. That some Christians actually thought that they were like, <laughs> you know, I, I never thought that. You're yeah, so yeah, fire today,
1: man. <laughs> I like, I like this new frustrated Jason. I don't know. <laughs> you like the, you like the jokes and uh, right. okay. I'll remember to keep them
2: in there sometime. But, um, but no, man, I, I, I really like that, bro. That inspiration, not dictation. I, I think that's good. I'm going to use that actually. So.
1: All right, just uh the checks in the mail then? Uh eh, no, I'm a little short this week, but Can you, you can, don't worry about it. Just Zelle or uh, Venmo, it's remediable, we're good. All right, right. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> I don't even know if I invented it. I probably heard it somewhere. Um
2: <laughs> So, all right, we all get our knowledge from the lord or somewhere yeah, else. So.
1: Yep. Yeah, true, true. Uh do you want to continue or you uh, want to wrap it up? It's up to you, bro. I got I got time, so it's up to you if you want to keep going. Uh,
2: let's see. I know I got to go, I have a few things to do today, but um, where are we, are we on... uh, We would be starting
1: 2 Peter 2.
2: Okay. That was the end of one, yep. Yeah, I mean, what what does your uh, viewers want to do, man? I feel like we've...
1: Well, let me see how many, we've got, we've got over 20 people watching here on Foxhole. We've got, there's some lurkers over on Rumble. So yeah, I mean, if you want to keep going, I'm willing to. Um, I, I will be honest, I do need a bathroom break real quick. So Uh, so I will, (laughs) uh, if you want to read, if you want to read, or we can just take a two-minute break. Um, I drank my extra-large cappuccino, so it's kind of just calling right now. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, you froze up. Uh Uh-oh. Can you hear me, Jason? Oh, no. I thought we got past all the technical difficulties you might have to uh, end if you can hear me Jason you might have to end the meeting and come back in if you want to continue well apparently he's not listening so well I'm gonna go ahead and assume that he wants to keep going Uh, and I don't know if we'll get through the whole chapter two we'll see where we get get to I did put in the description of the video that we were going to go through one and two, but I had forgotten that we needed to finish up 1 Peter five. So uh, yep, Jason just bowed out. So give me guys, give me one second. He's gonna, I know he's gonna call back in here in a second. So uh, okay, so chapter two. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be con- condemnation. Will be their condemnation, um, and in the in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Uh, thank you, Raven. Glad you're enjoying it. Um, and oh, by the way, Raven, I. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to interrupt the reading here, but you said, uh, back here, he said, I had a mountaintop experience when a donkey was right behind me. I looked at him and his eyelashes were so long. I felt like I was in the manger. Was that like a dream a vision or was that actually something that happened? That sounds pretty uh, interesting. I'd like to know. Oh, <laughs> Jason texted me. said, uh, he forgot to put his charger in the uh, computer. <laughs> so he's saying goodbye. Uh, here, here, let me just text them back. So I think you know what, guys. I think I'm going to wrap it up. I, I've got uh, some things I got to do today. I still got to go to work, to be honest. Um, so we'll we'll start off in chapter two next time, next Tuesday morning. We'll try to be on time, 10:30. Um, it's hard because you know, Jason was having all kinds of technical issues this morning with his computer and with, with zoom. So I was waiting. I should have just started on my own earlier, but I kept thinking, okay, well, he's going to jump in at any second. So I apologize for that. If anybody was here lurking earlier, um, your boy Dust said I was always that guy that was late for church, like here now, LOL. (laughs) Well, we were late too. So join the club, man. Um, So tonight I am live tonight with Megan. Megan Walsh wants to do a show tonight. Me, her, and Sylvia will be going over the stuff that's going on with, uh, I never can pronounce it, Belsegnia, is that it? That clothing company that's got all that pedo crap going on. We're going to be on it hopefully right around 730. It just depends on the girl's schedule. Uh, We're going to go through that and some stuff with Kanye, what he's been talking about. Megan has a very unique perspective because she lived with Kanye West. Her one of her boyfriends at the time was Kanye's best friend, so they all lived with the Kardashian. I don't know. They, um, she's not a big fan of Yay Ye, Ye, whatever he's calling himself now. Although I think he's he's speaking some truths, so I'm I'm not as harsh on him as she may be tonight. So, but we are going to talk about all that and what's going on with with all this crap they're trying to advertise i mean that, what a disgusting display that was with those teddy bears if you guys saw that and it, it helped me out i don't know belsignia i didn't even know who they were until that thing came out that shows you how close i am to the uh, fashion industry uh so yeah it, hopefully you'll join us tonight that's at 7 30 or there thereof somewhere in that time frame and then tomorrow wednesday night me and uh, matt van bravent will be back for insight uh, not sure what matt wants to talk about yet he's going to probably text me a little later today and we'll discuss whatever he wants to he's my new host there, taking roberts filling those big shoes of robert robert chambers uh halo boys we call him affectionately and then uh let's see thursday rescue the fosters with sylvia and kk we have a really cool guest coming on she's a whistleblower out of cps and she's been naming names and calling people out on social media and Basically putting them on notice that things are going to be changing soon. Um, okay, Raven. I was literally on a top of a mountain behind granddad's... Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. I, you know what? I don't know. Let's see. I have seen donkeys pretty close, but only like at petting farms or something like that. Maybe at the zoo. So, I don't know. if Is, is long eyelashes kind of a thing with donkeys? I have no idea. Not a donkey expert. Um, although I've probably been called a donkey in the past (laughs) um anyway uh so thursday's that and then of course me and michael back for sunday's blender at our new time slot of 8 p.m and new day of sunday uh right after joyful june's great show that she hosts on sundays at 6 p.m all right love y'all hopefully uh we all learned something together today during this study join us again next tuesday same time same place love you guys have a great and wonderful and blessed day take care and be safe
0: It's over. Go home,
1: guys. The scratching has been released. Get yourself some gold pills. Have a great day.